Hello, and welcome to the Purpose Podcast with Medics CEO, Andrew Lamoris. Hey, Andrew. Hey, Andy. It's been a while and so glad that we're back on together. Yes, it has been a while, and I am still your trusty co-host, Andrew Bogue, and I'm excited today to connect uh, with our healthcare consultant for Medics, Dr. Scarlett Spain, because she's sharing a lot of great information that I know I don't have uh, much expertise in this area uh, as far as COVID-19 vaccines, what some of the ongoing safety measures are, and then some of those trickier issues when it comes to, you know, children being vaccinated, allergies, uh, kind of this interim phase we're in with this hybrid workplace. A lot of the the tough questions that are being asked about COVID-19 right now, right? Absolutely. And staffing levels, kind of what are the opportunities that are coming around the corner, maybe in the world of work? Um, She does a really great job of kind of laying it out there and talking about an angel in disguise for us. She's been able to really guide things for us and help our customers understand kind of what and where to go um, with this whole world of COVID. So yeah, it's been, it was a great conversation. Yeah, I I, I loved having the chance to talk with her and I know I learned uh, a few things along the way too. So hoping everyone listening will, will get something out of this conversation as well. So without further ado, here's our interview with Dr. Scarlett Spain. Okay, we are here with our special guest for today's podcast, Dr. Scarlett Spain. Hi, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, we're excited to talk today about about vaccines with you um, and and some of the questions that are out there right now. But you know, before we dig into to the topic at hand today, can you give our listeners a little bit of information about your background and you know what you've been doing with medics over the last year as well? Sure. So I am Dr. Scarlett Spain. I'm an occupational health nurse practitioner. I've been doing occupational medicine since about 2010. Um, I'm also a assistant professor at Valparaiso University, which is, I don't know, probably about an hour away from Chicago. And I've been with the company since for about a year now, um, working on vaccines, COVID issues, and then occupational health. Yeah. Talk about a blessing in disguise. We were able, right when COVID hit, we were able to lock arms with you and and you have been such such a help and such a a guiding light for us to be able to support and help our customers you know i just want to just just from from a medic's perspective i'm so happy that you're a part of our team thank you so much help us and guide us so thank you yeah it's been fun i always say it's uh, my most fun job so <laughs> You know, and, and part of that is like, I think a, a good starting point for our conversation now is just to kind of get a temperature check, uh, no pun intended there, um, on where exactly <laughs> we are right now in the vaccination efforts, right? Because this has been a huge undertaking. Um, it's been something, you know, probably one of the biggest things uh, in our country has seen from a public health perspective um, in, you know, in its history. So, you know, I know that it was a big ramp up to get to the point we are right now. And, you know, medics has been, I'm excited to be a part of the, those efforts as well. So can you give us just an idea of, of where we are at so far in the vaccination process? Sure. So when we look at statistics, we have about 50% of U.S. adults that have received one dose. Um, and then we have about 38% last my check that had received two doses. So that is good. Um, we still are having some issues with vaccine deserts, and that is a literal term and figurative um, term. So a vaccine desert, that's a public health terminology that you may hear where people don't have the access to vaccines. It could be because there's not a pharmacy close by, there could be that there's not healthcare providers who give the vaccines. Um, where I live outside of Chicago, we have definitely increased vaccine uptake. Um, 
even today I got a message on my cell phone about vaccines being available in neighboring counties. So around here, I have definitely noticed that there has been lots of areas and places for people to get vaccines, which is good. Yeah, it's true. It seems like everyone's experiences are a little bit different based on, you know, where they live and, you know, th their level of access to these locations too. Yes. Um, you know, I know I, they opened up a, a super site by me at Wrigley Field recently, and that was like an exciting thing because, you know, it's accessible for a lot of people in my area to, to walk to for someone like yeah. me that doesn't have a car, you know, so these are things that I'm sure are a huge challenge when you're trying to, you know, coordinate all these different sites between private businesses administering it, public health um, departments administering vaccines, and then healthcare organizations as well, right? Yep. And I think, Andy, I also think about, you know, just from my, my specific background, I think about had my parents moved to the United States, you know, in the last five years or 10 years, being immigrants and speaking a different language, mm -hmm. just, the, just, the, just the overall communication of where to go, what to do, what's actually true, what's actually not true. Scarlett, have any of your classes or, or seminars or or um, just in general reading, have you, you guys talked about um, that topic at all? With vaccine hesitancy? With not only vaccine hesitancy, just getting communi communication out to, you know, d just different populations of people, whether it be, you know, European, Spanish, whatever the case may be, Polish here in Chicago, yeah. big Polish community, the yeah. big Spanish community, the Greek community. Yeah, I think that's a great question. And my response to that would be with public health, I know people get confused because of the frequently changing guidelines that come out. Um, just last week, we saw some changes with masks, right? Mm -hmm. So people say, okay, do I wear a mask? Do I not wear a mask? I'm vaccinated. The problem is you don't know who else is vaccinated. And we do still have those small chance of trans transferring COVID. Um, so yeah, I would say the best way to go about it is still to follow those public health guidelines and the best way for public health to communicate that is to be steady, I guess would be the word with their communication and just saying to wear masks. Yeah. And there's, you know, it, it seems like multiple channels is always a helpful thing as well. Right. Because, um, you know, you, you see reports on the local news um, about different guidelines changing. There's obviously a huge online push, um, but I was even running into, a lot, especially when the vaccines were first rolling out, people who are not very tech savvy, not being able to oh schedule God. their appointments, right? Because you had all these different online platforms, some run by the state, some run by, um, you know, private businesses, you had to create accounts for them and enter information. And definitely, um, you know, folks in different generations might not feel comfortable sharing that kind of information um, online without having a you know, a voice on the other line of, or seeing someone in person. So, you know, even technology can be a barrier in this sense as well, right? Getting access to, to the right information and these appointments. Absolutely. That's something that public health, they definitely, as a discipline, study that a lot. So you've got to yeah. get to people in the right time, the right space, and, you know, location where they can access whatever care they're trying to obtain, in this case, vaccines. Yeah, we had an aunt in Alsip, Illinois, who had been a resident for, you know, 40 plus years, who couldn't get a, an appointment. I was trying to help her get an appointment. I couldn't get her an appointment. Finally, she called down to the mayor's office 
and just said, I've been a resident for 40 years. How, how, and I'm, you know, I'm, you know, almost 80 years old, I'm at risk. How can I get an appointment? She, they went online for her, got her an appointment and she was vaccinated that week and got her first, uh, and got her first dose. And sometimes, you know, just advocating for yourself, you just need to be able just to make a phone call um, and surprise, you know, people want to help people. So if you're proactive at some level, you're going to get, you're going to get the support you need. Well, that's what I'm, I'm interested to see now, right? Because we had this initial wave of vaccines. Um, and like you said, we've got half of the population having, you know, at least a single dose, which is great. But now it seems like we're moving into this next stage of the vaccination process, right? Where um, we are trying to get those folks that maybe do not have access as easily to a vaccination site, that maybe had some barriers to overcome. And then folks that also have some some questions about like the best way to go about this, right? If there's um, underlying health conditions that make them, you know, hesitant to get the vaccine or, you know, adverse reactions and things like that. So it seems like we're turning our attention to kind of the more difficult half of the population, for lack of a better phrase there, to, to be able to get, you know, a, a level of protection and, and peace of mind, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. There's been some interesting techniques with um, that as well, talking about comorbidities and people who, on one hand, they would have a higher risk for COVID complications, possibly. Um, and then, you know, trying to get past those fears that they may have about the vaccine themselves. So I know that here locally where I'm at, I've heard, I've had friends who've had letters sent to them from rheumatology, oncology, if they've got a history of these certain conditions, advising them that it is best practice to receive the COVID vaccine. So that was helpful, I think, in um, notifying people that they should be receiving the COVID vaccine. Yeah, and and, and you know, part of the, you know, part of the, I think the, the conversation is also globally, there's certain things happening with variants. You look at what ha what's happening with India um, and, and whatnot. How much does that play into, um, obviously it creates a little bit of still uncertainty and fears, but what would you say to people around the continuous spread and or different variants that are gonna occur? If you don't have a vaccine or you do have a vaccine, how much does it matter what are, what is the thought process there in your in your opinion? So we still don't have a lot of great science telling us either way. So we kind of need to watch it. And what we need to be watching is we know in like you mentioned globally, there are some countries where um, things are COVID is out of control right now. So we need to watch those countries closely. Um, and then with the variants, we believe that the vaccines are going to provide some kind of protection against the variants that are currently circulating. But again, it's kind of unknown at this time. So I think we're we're running into this uh, interesting point as well. Um, and I think both of you could speak to this better than I could, where, you know, we're talking about half the vac uh, the US population being, you know, having a dose of the vaccine. Um, and you're even having households that are in different places as far as vaccination status, right? So you can have mom and dad be fully vaccinated and then you have kids who are not vaccinated. Uh, my brother has, um, you know, a, a child that's, you know, under two years old right now, no vaccination uh, because, you know, they're not looking at that age group yet. So, you know, 
can we dig in a little bit on some of the complications there of, you know, on the one hand, feeling this great sense of, you know, freedom and safety from the vaccination, but on the other hand, having these outstanding questions where maybe your family's not all in the same place at the same time. Well, we're there right now. I mean, I'm fully vaccinated. My wife's fully vaccinated. My oldest son, who's 18, has his first dose. My two younger ones do not. And, and I think with a family, there's different there's 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 different conversations happening, and, and and Scarlett, I think we have kids in a similar age range. I have a a 13 year old daughter who's going to be 14 next week, and and she's hearing a lot of her friends getting vaccinated. You know, we talk about you know history of cancer in our family, and 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 just just pose the thought process around you know kind of what are we going to do there now. You know, we feel like we're moving in a direction where that's the right thing to do. And I also have a child that has multiple food allergies. And, and there's been people who have talked about, you know, that can be one thing that you should watch closely when getting a vaccine. So I think families overall, some families are, you know, all, you know, all set running fast. They're all going to get vaccinated. Um, and to Andy's point, there's some, some struggles in the beginning because of just dates. You might have six months between who gets vaccinated and who doesn't. So there's a big family kind of dynamic depending on what you have going on. So so I, I know that you you were in the same boat a little bit, so I'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, so my girls are 11 and 13, and my 13-year-old, which you're aware, also has multiple severe food allergies. Um, so it's been interesting. So we know, I think, was it last week that the FDA and um, CDC expanded the emergency use authorization for children aged 12 and up? I believe that was last week. Um, so my daughter, my 13-year-old, was super excited, came home, I want to get the vaccine, I want to get the vaccine. Now, as a parent with her history of food allergies, I was pretty nervous. I actually called her physician up in Chicago. Um, she called me back and she said she can get it due to what we know are her allergies. It's not contained in the vaccine, but she needs to make sure she's on a medical site. So not like one of the drive-thru sites or anything. Make sure you've got her EpiPens and that they're trained, licensed healthcare workers are. Um, so that made me feel better, but I definitely think it's worth just for peace of mind and just to make sure I think it's worth a conversation with your specialist if you have concerns about it. So the number of anaphylactic events, I don't remember the exact number off the top of my head, but it was small was a low number. And then it came back that some of those weren't true anaphylaxis. Um, so yeah, I definitely would advise to speak to the allergist or whoever's taking care of that condition. Yeah. And, and the other question that An Andy posed was, you know, we have, you have some kids maybe in your family that are not vaccinated parents who are, and you're in the process or not in the process. And obviously there, you know, a lot of people are involved in activities and sports. What are some of your thoughts around that? So that's another great question. And when we think about that, that's something that definitely we can think about in workplaces because we don't really know who's all been vaccinated and who's not been vaccinated. So not only in families, but also social settings, if you're going to a baseball game, mm -hmm. if your kids are involved in sports. So I think that that is definitely a good question. Um, still erring on the side of caution, if you are in large groups, is going to be good because you don't, although small, if you've been vaccinated, um, the chance of getting COVID is going to be small. You still could and transfer it on to somebody who hasn't been vaccinated. So you still need to have those safety measures in place, wearing a mask when you're in, in a crowded space or with people that you don't know if they've been vaccinated or not, um, maintaining social distancing, hand hygiene, things like that. 
Yeah, I've noticed lately I've been to uh, different events and people have been outside and, and um, been more um, um, open around taking masks off and whatnot. Um, is that the guidance that you, you, you've, you've seen and you've heard that that's, that's a little bit more okay? Yes, yes. We actually have slowly started kind of introducing in outside family members or extended family members. We're definitely still taking precautions. And uh, it's been cool to see how the younger generation is so involved in this in a way that they really get the significance of it. Talking about our kids who are excited to get the vaccine. That's been cool. My niece, when she comes over, you know, she knows I'm vaccinated. She won't take her mask off in front of me. She's six. And uh, my mom's like, you can take your mask off, you know, and I'm like, she's more comfortable wearing it in the house, but I wear it in the house. So that's been cool. Um, but yeah, I think if you're in an outdoor space, not at a baseball game or anything, but with a smaller group of people, um, I still, and it's been hard for me because I'm a hugger or like a handshaker or whatever. So I still am having to rewire my brain, not just to go up to people and hug, hug them. And that's just kind of a personal comfort level thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think that is, that is something that is the whole social element of it is going to take some time yeah. uh, as, as yeah. folks slowly transition back, you know, into what, you know, could be considered normal, I guess, um, everyday interactions. Um, but, you know, part of that is, is a mental block. And then part of that is this, uh, you know, uncertainty around who is vaccinated and who also maybe, you know, living with somebody who is at a different vaccinated status and what might they be bringing home with them? You know, the good news seems to be that uh, some research shows that transmission is lower between vaccinated people. But as we said, we're still gathering information and hoping to add to those studies um, right now. So it feels like we're in this sort of interim, you know, uh, time. I've heard the term like a bridge phase uh, being used a few times as well, where, you know, we're, we're kind of half in, half out of the experience, so to speak, you know. Yeah, and, and what I've tried to do, um, Andy and, and Scarlett, is really, really lean into and practice, you know, practice empathy, because there are people with different opinions and different thoughts. And, and I am, I'm really, have, have tried my best to really stay in the middle on this and really understand that people's experiences in life and how you've been brought up and maybe things you've seen, you know, maybe kind of lean you in one way or the other. The, 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 what, I, what I do ask people is understand the science, ask professionals, everybody's going to have thoughts and opinions, but the more you try to seek to understand before, you know, being understood is, is, is for me has been, has been key because you don't know someone, someone might not be wearing a mask. For instance, my dad can't wear a mask. He's got some uh, um, breathing problems and some other people, you know, have different views or different thoughts. So I've just really tried to stay in the middle and practice this idea of empathy and, and, and be thoughtful and just the whole mask situation. I heard someone say the other day, it's like, you're not wearing it for yourself. You're wearing it for others. And I, I really think that that's been a, you know, lesson in, in, in thoughtfulness and humility that, that, you know, is, is something that everybody can, you know, practice. So. Yeah, I definitely agree. My daughter asked me the other day why I was still wearing a mask since I'm fully vaccinated. And uh, I kind of said the same thing, you know, I, I, if it can make somebody else feel better that I have a mask on, I have no problem wearing it. The worst thing it's going to do to me is cause my face to break out. So no, you know, no issue there. So. Well, and to that point as well, I mean, as someone with, you know, healthcare credentials and experience, um, how has, how has last year been for you from that perspective in that, you know, you're, you're an advocate for sharing 
the you know the latest research accurate data and you know not playing into misinformation but as we're talking about with empathy it's kind of hard like if someone brings something that's maybe dubious to the table or an opinion that isn't founded in research shouting them down doesn't really seem to be a great solution to the problem so do you have any um you know examples or things that, that have happened in the past year where you've been able or how you've gone about sort of sharing this information and being an advocate for it while also not pushing away those that maybe are not you know ready to take in that information at that level yeah that's that is a really good question um if i had one term to describe the past year i would say exhausting just because and i'm sure it's not just me i think mm -hmm. most of us are feeling that you can yeah. so many things flying at you um I, when I, like on my social media account that's personal, I really try to keep that personal and I don't really list my employers or anything. That's my personal page, but on LinkedIn and stuff, I will actually put best science out there. Um, yeah, that's a good question. How do you refute bad science? If people aren't open to hearing it, they're not going to hear it. I think it's always good to put the real science out there not to get it in an argument, but just to put it out there and hope people will, will read it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I similarly too, I, I feel like rather than, like you said, attacking from a, a place of, you know, we're, we're in an adversarial relationship, coming at it from the way uh, you described, Andrew, as, you know, a point of empathy. We're trying to understand this perspective and, you know, why, why are you coming at it from this angle? You know, maybe it is because of, um, you know, health concerns in a family that you're not aware of, or, you know, something right. from a child that you're not aware of. So, you know, it's better to have an understanding of that and, and show them the positives that, you know, that from your perspective, rather than come at it with, you know, a negative um, perspective to begin, because that seems to only spiral out of control, especially in an anonymous online space. But yeah, I, I just ask all the time, I, again, from an empathy perspective, hey, where did you hear that? What's what's the source? And, you know, I'd love to look that up. And, and, and a lot of times it's it's playing telephone. People hear stuff and they pass it on, pass it on, pass it on. And there are really great, credible sources that are out there and things that are coming up every day. And, and some folks, you know, are, are um, get, get a little bit uncomfortable because things are changing all the time. And, and that's to be expected when you're dealing with a global pandemic and, and different, um, different information. There's different people, by the way, different companies, different groups doing different studies, which is great. And in the world of information today, things are going to continue to pop up, you know, and, and I guess the second piece of that that I'd like to add in, Scarlett, is, you know, being being a company that provides healthcare uh, staffing and provides personnel um, to help uh, 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 impact lives, um, and, and for medics, that's living our purpose. What have you What have you heard, and what conversations have you heard about staffing levels? And um, there was already a nursing shortage. There was already um, different shortages in the lab and other areas. Uh, what is what is that what does that look like when you're talking to your students? I mean, what a great they have all the opportunity in the world today. Yeah. Um, yeah. But but from a, just from a um, um, you know, I look at appointments. Sometimes we go to appointments and they're like, you know, we're booked. And part of the reason they're booked is because they only have so many caregivers. Absolutely. It's a huge problem. And I can speak to this on a personal level. I have never had so many emails, texts from headhunters 
um, hey, can you come deliver COVID vaccines in Indy for two weeks? Can you do this all summer? And, and um, even my friends who are floor nurses or work in the hospital as an MP, um, they're getting pulled to do more COVID type of things or they're leaving their jobs to do travel assignments on COVID units and other parts of, or other states that are more impacted. So yeah, there's definitely, definitely a shortage of people that we need right now to, to fight this. What other, what other opportunities, new opportunities that you think post COVID, um, whatever that it means or whatever, whatever that looks like, right. um, <laughs> I keep saying that new world of work post COVID, but what really does that mean? Um, but what new opportunities, what maybe new careers, jobs, things that, that will come about uh, post COVID? What, what are some of the things that, that you might see people specialize in? When, the, when you asked me that, the first thing I thought of was occupational health nursing or occupational health nurse practitioner or some kind of occupational health. I think a lot of companies before COVID didn't have anybody on site with them. Um, maybe they would hire like a consultant to do wellness activities or whatever. Occupational health is so important to actually have somebody on site or somebody close that you can contact because this isn't going away. I mean, I think that this has forever changed the landscape of what we're used to. Um, I mean, it'd be nice if it went away, but I just don't anticipate things ever being 100% how they were before. I think we're going to see an increase in potentially people specializing in or looking at infectious disease um, transmission and, again, at work sites, epidemiology, looking at statistics. Um, before COVID happened, I don't know the exact dates on this, but in the United States, uh, contact tracers, we had a very, very small amount. I don't want to say the numbers. I don't remember what it is. But after COVID, then we're like, okay, who is going to contact trace all these cases? So it was a big issue as well. So I definitely think contact tracing will be a more common job that people from a public health background may go into. And maybe the intersection of cl uh, clinicians and, and providers with technology today that bridge has gotten much smaller. Everything is kind of coming together. What about health, healthcare information technology? Yeah, there. I think there will definitely be a boom in that as well. Um, yeah, I mean, so many jobs I think will be in need or possibly created from this. So that'll be interesting to see. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I know from personal experience, my first telehealth um, experience happened in the last year because of, you know, the, the conditions that we were in. So I'm sure that's been the case for a lot of people. And they said a lot of these term terminologies that we may have kind of known about, but have been ingrained in the public consciousness, like you said, contact tracing. Mm -hmm. I had never thought about that phrase until 2020, you know, so th these are things that now we're aware of. And once that happens, it does seem like, you know, it only grows from there. It's not like you put it back in the box. Right. Yeah. You look at one of the biggest healthcare um, mergers and or uh, acquisition type of, of, of scenarios in 2020 was Livongo Health and Teladoc coming together and Teladoc really taking off and doing a variety uh, of, of things to help people at home and be able to diagnose, support, and, and uh, um, I'm wearing an Apple watch right now. I mean, um, it just told me a couple minutes ago, breathe. And then a second ago, it said, stand up. I mean, we have all, 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 all the, all the fun gadgets and things that are happening in the world. 
and, and, and these things will all be tied back to something in the future, which will allow people like Scarlett to kind of lead us in the right direction to, uh, to take care of ourselves a little bit better. So I'm really optimistic. I know we talked about a lot of different things, but I'm personally, Scarlett, very optimistic with technology and kind of the, how we've behaved through this, that come, come, coming out the, 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 the end of 2021 into 22, I'm anticipating us being smarter and, and better equipped to be able to, to deal with situations like this. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I think that's an interesting point that, um, you know, right now we are using technology to talk, right? We're in uh, three different places uh, recording our conversation right now, which I'm so thankful for. But I also miss, uh, Andrew, being in your office and recording this, you know, face-to-face with people. And it's, it's been quite some time since we've gotten there. And I think a lot of organizations are in this middle ground right now, right? Where we're having some people vaccinated. There are some city and local guidelines that are changing um, and capacity numbers are changing. So what do we think, you know, of the point we're at right now, what are some things that maybe organizations should be thinking about as we're moving into this seemingly next stage of the process here, right? We just talked about uh, the CDC guidance on masks has changed. Um, you know, indoor capacities are changing. So are there, are there any like things that we should be keeping in mind as organizations look ahead to the summer and the sort of next step of, you know, coming back to um, work in, you know, maybe some sort of a, a hybrid state uh, in the near future? Another great question. So there's a lot of different variables that will need to be taken into account before people can return to work um, in a full, I don't know, fully how they used to be, I guess, you know, yeah. pandemic. We've got to remember we're not post-pandemic yet. So I do feel like overall optimism is definitely noticeable in the community. Uh, so that's a good thing, but we're not post-pandemic. We've got to keep doing mitigation strategies, um, finding balance for your business. So taking those steps to mitigate risk. OSHA gave guidance that businesses should have preparedness plans. So those preparedness plans should definitely be looking at risk assessment, risk management, looking at individual job tasks. So every business is going to be different, right? If you have an industrial setting as opposed to an elementary school or whatever. So it needs to really be taken into account every specific job duty. And the employer should have a written policy or plan about how they are going to mitigate risk for that specific job. Of course, some places are going to be closer contact than others. My job as a professor, I mean, I felt like we did a great job. I can't say I was even an exposure to anybody um, because we wore masks, we were socially distanced, the students were socially distanced. So that was an easier environment, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, But some places, again, manufacturing, industrial settings, lots of different places, people need to be closer to to run the business. So thinking about that. Obviously, with increasing vaccination numbers, we're going to see decreasing transmission in the community. So we'll also see that translated into the workplace. And then employees should be protected while they're at work from COVID. So I think that's a good statement just for employers to remember, businesses to remember, to protect your employees to the best of your, uh, the best that you can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Andy, from my perspective, you know, I, 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 you know, and, and Scarlett, you know, thank you for everything you said, because, you know, we, we will, you know, as, as a medics team, we'll take that and we will also talk to our customers and, and folks ar- around those thoughts. But I feel like every, 
every person working at an organization, first and foremost, should be their own advocate. Mm-hmm. Be aware. If you don't feel good or you're, you, you know, you, you might have some, you know, symptom, don't go to work. You know, first and foremost, we have a large number of people taking public transportation and doing different things like that. Um, and, and I think it's really important that you, you're first and foremost your own advocate and, and you're just thoughtful. I know we're, we're doing some stuff where we're gonna get back in the office at some level. And we've asked people, you know, when you're at your desk, fine, take your mask off. Otherwise, um, you know, if you're gonna, you know, be in the hallway, you're gonna go to the restroom, whatever, you know, just you know, toss a mask on out of respect for your teammates, um, you know, things of that nature, just being thoughtful, um, having, you know, some contact tracing mechanism in place is, is, is always good. Um, you know, and lastly, the most important things that companies can do is communicate, communicate, mm-hmm. communicate. Uh, I, I just think that, that in every aspect for me, when I have had any type of mishap or failure, it's because I did not communicate effectively. I wasn't able to serve. And, and it, it may be not your strength. If it's not your strength, no problem. Get someone on your team that is going to own communication and be, and, 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 and I'm not talking about once a quarter or once a month or once a week, as often as possible, as often as possible, frequent communication, um, just out of the spirit of our core purpose of positively impacting lives. Um, it's just so important to keep people safe and just stay on top of stuff uh, because people forget. People are excited to take, I got vaccinated. I'm gonna take my mask off. I'm gonna get after it. That's fine. Let's 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 just make sure that we're um, you know trying to do the best we can. There's a lot of fatigue going on too, Scar- Scarlett, mm-hmm. and so I think we just got to be honest and aware of that. That people kind of heard many times, like I'm done with this. Let's let's move on. You know, so yeah, there's there's a lot of factors to consider in there, right? I mean, between I said communication, keeping up with uh, things change very quickly. I said like the CDC announcement about masks responding to that as a company as quick as possible to say, well, what does this mean for the things we've already had in place, right? Something like that is a great example that, um, you know, of how agile you need to be um, as things update. And like you said, situations are different for different people. You know, some folks are burnt out um, by Zoom meetings alone. Some people are not ready to be in a an office space with 20 people at the same time yet. And we'll need some time to transition into that, you know? So um, having an understanding of your workforce in that way, extremely important. Um, and then I, I know too, uh, in years past, I will, would have gone into the office with a cold or whatever being like, well, I'm, I need to fight through this and get my work done or whatever. Now forget about it, right? It's like, hey, take that time. It's better for you and it's better for everyone around you. Back to that empathy standpoint is understanding how you're impacting the rest of the people around you, which I'm thankful to now have that consciousness to, to think about that. But I also recognize too, that thanks to, you know, my work situation, it's a privilege I have as well to be able to do that with my time off and everything like that and, and having an understanding company. So um, hopefully this is something that employers are recognizing more and more too, is like, hey, we need to give our employees space to be well, you know, in, in more ways than one. Andy and Scarlett, you know, what's funny about that is because this is this is allergy season right now in the Midwest. <laughs> yep. And so, you know, I, I just, you know, it's funny because someone will sneeze now. It's like, no, no allergies, allergies. I don't have a cold. I don't have a cold. You know, people are just like, so, you know, 
Uh, it, it is just, man, I just think, you know, um, you know, it's just so, it's just so funny, the world that we're in today. And, um, and, 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 you know, I've seen that happen so many times. It's just, it's just so funny. You know, one of the things that I wanted to just touch on Scarlett that you, you, you mentioned, and we're talking about work and out of the spirit of mental health awareness month. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think it's, you know, you talk about being, you know, uh, in the workplace and occupational health and, you know, all the COVID stuff aside, I think that looming in the background, there's so many people, you know, Andy mentioned it with, um, zoom burnout and whatnot. Um, you know, just being thoughtful as an employer around, um, the mental health, uh, uh, continuum that's out there. Um, and just really leaning in, um, not just in May, by the way, because of everything that's transpired, you know, throughout COVID and, and going on, what are your, some, some of your thoughts and what have you heard in, in terms of, you know, COVID, you know, stay at home, uh, stay orders and whatnot. And then just this whole world of mental health and being able to support people and your teammates in, in your companies. Yeah. So employers definitely need to make sure that they have resources, whether that's an EAP an employee assistance person, or um, that they have counseling, they need to make sure that they have resources to send people to, and not only resources to send people to, but also, and this, this becomes a little more complicated, but identification, it's, it's such a, it's such a hard spot to be in because you don't really want to ask your employees about their mental health. Right. But Mm -hmm. I do think it's important if it can be done, you know, or just somehow getting out notification to the employees that there is assistance and this is how it's reached and it's gonna stay confidential. Um, I think that that would be very, very important and essential. So we, the rates of depression, you know, before COVID, um, you definitely saw that in the workplace. And then after COVID, we definitely think that we'll see an increase with depression and anxiety. So something to definitely be on the radar for employers. That's why I'm so thankful for the company that that over the years that we've been able to create here at Medics, the unintended consequence of being so thoughtful about being a team environment and working closely together is that you might notice some stuff, mm-hmm. you know, ver- versus someone, you know, maybe, you know, another organization that's, you know, super independent, they got people out there and they're not as close, you know, that you're able to pick up a phone and say, Hey, like today, I, I, I text someone while we were on a zoom call, I'm like, Hey, are you okay? Like, ah, I'll talk to you later. You know, um, you can, when you know someone well enough over time, you can make those reach out calls. And I think that for me, you know, leading a company, one of the most difficult things that I think about is by virtue of not being in the office and not being able to create that, that fun camaraderie driven, um, you know, we taught, we use the word Ohana a lot, you know, uh, family, um, or building a team or a community. When you're doing that, you just innately get to know someone, whether it's getting a cup of coffee in the morning or getting a beer after work, you get to start to know people and different people connect. And then those relationships kind of form where you're able to say, you know, Hey, are you having a good day? What's up? You know, I, 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 I think about that as a, as a, as a leader of a, um, a company or, 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 you know, working with a small team, whatever the case may be. I think, you know, those are one of the, some of the things I think about. Yeah. That's great points. Uh, So I think, you know, we've talked about a lot of 
complicated issues today, right? Um, you know, we're getting over the initial hump of, of the vaccination push. And now, you know, we get into these kind of trickier questions like we're talking about, um, you know, figuring out vaccinating your family, um, questions around allergies, uh, access to vaccines, and then, you know, how complicated it can be to return to work with both the health of your team in mind and then the mental health and overall wellness of, of a team in mind. So these are all, um, you know, really tri tricky, difficult things to talk about. And I'm, I'm glad we had the discussion on all these points. Um, but now let's maybe open it up to something a little bit more um, positive and forward thinking. And I wanted to see, um, what are you most looking forward to um, this summer as we're looking ahead? I, you know, I know I felt a jolt of positivity getting uh, my vaccinations and I, I tried not to, you know, bum myself out too much uh, thinking about it and hold on to that feeling a little bit in the moment. So for each of you, what are you most looking forward um, this summer as we kind of hopefully transition into a next stage here? Scarlett? Sure. I'm just looking forward to time with my family and not, not social settings with other families, but going to the beach and, you know, doing vacations because we didn't do anything last year because of COVID. Yeah. So we really were pretty much staying in the house and playing in the yard. So excited to make it to the dunes and um, outdoor spaces where there's other people. Yeah, for, for, for me, Andy, it's, it's much of the same. I think that first and foremost, seeing my kids back in activities on a more consistent basis and, and, and I, I'm really, you know, praying and hoping that, that there's not the delays, the stop and start, the stop and start, you know, when kids are passionate about whether it's dance or theater or football or basketball or baseball, whatever it is, and they practice for three, four days, and then they're canceled for three, four days, and they practice for that consistency, because then they start to get disheartened, like, mm -hmm. oh, maybe I don't want to do this, or maybe I don't want to, you know, so I'm really excited on I'm, I'm just just, you know, you said earlier, Scarlett, that things seem to be opening up more. And so I, I'm excited for my kids to be in consistent activities, going to watch them and, and cheer for them as a, as a parent. Um, and then um, getting a couple of nice, um, you know, vacations, uh, you know, first and foremost, you know, uh, for my wife, I think that, you know, a lot, um, you know, she really was our anchor throughout um, uh, all of COVID in keeping us somewhat balanced um, and keeping me in the basement I, I, at work, <laughs> but, but um, you know, keeping us, keeping us balanced as a family. And I think she's, she's kind of at the end of, of a long, you know, uh, fight to keep, keep us somewhat balanced. Um, I'd like to get her in a position where she can have some peace and in a pretty place. Uh, that would be, that would be a, a, a something that I would be looking forward to. Definitely. And I, I think I echo both of you in that idea of just uh, appreciating the, the simple joys, you know, you, you take so much for granted until, you know, you're like 2020 happens and it is those things, those small trips, um, you know, seeing family for small gatherings and things like that, um, that, you know, you, we just didn't have the ability to do last year. So, you know, it used to be, I would plan around big music festivals or, you know, huge parties that were, you know, months out or whatever. Now it's just, it's the little things that I'm really looking forward to being able to reconnect with everyone uh, in the coming months. So um, excited for that. And I, I wanted to make sure that we touch on some of the positive aspects here because, you know, uh, there's been so much 
great that has been done in the world, especially, you know, with our healthcare professionals and research professionals, um, you know, the, the science behind where, how we've gone to today is incredible. And, you know, it, it, it bears reflecting a little bit on how about, you know, being appreciative to the people that, that got us to where we are. And hopefully, eventually to an even better place in, you know, the next few months uh, to a year here. Absolutely. All right. Do we have any any last thoughts before we uh, wrap up our conversation today? Yeah, I mean, the only thing that I'm going to end with, Andy, is what I said before: is is practice empathy, practice empathy, practice empathy. You know, um, I think that you know there was an Oscar speech that said, "Meet me in the middle." You know, um, and I think I really appreciated that. I really appreciate you know. Um, you know, people that come out and talk about things that that allow people to kind of, um, you know, see the goodness in, in, in what we have going on. There's a lot of things to be thankful for. So I'm just going to end on that. Practice empathy. Um, and uh, I look forward to a continuous uh, rid of COVID and uh, we can get back on track and, and do a fun happy hour. Definitely. And uh uh, Dr. Dr. Spain, thank you again for joining us too, because, you know, the, uh, uh, Andrew likes to talk about too, being a learning person and continually, you know, learning more as you can. And uh, it's because of, of people like you with, with your expertise that we are able to stay, you know, ahead of everything that's happening uh, when it comes to public health guidance and the latest updates from COVID-19. So uh, we appreciate you sharing that with us and our audience and, and being a resource for, for so many who have questions uh, these days. Sure. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Thank you for listening to the Purpose Podcast with Andrew Lamoris. For more information about this podcast, our blog, and Andrew's book, check out purposefulceo.com.